I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. And we're here with another episode of Falling Through Potholes, a podcast about video games and how they have plot lines that go off the rails. It's really great. It's hot here today. That's why brain not working. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Alex, it's getting up there. It is. It is. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Feeling good. Good, good. Good, good. As I've already insinuated, it's uh, 90 degrees here mm-hmm. up, uh, up where we live, and that's a that's a little bit of an issue here, because air conditioning doesn't exist up here? Yeah, no. No, not so much. Uh, it didn't, it didn't frequently get hot until recently. Yeah. Yeah. Until climate change. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a little unfortunate, little unfortunate. Uh, this also means that as an FYI, this is going to definitely be a bad audio episode because I cannot do the normal things I would do to muffle the audio, which is literally just throw a blanket over my head because this is a high tech operation. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be great. Speaking of things that are going to be great. This is part two of our series on Resident Evil, uh, which is going to be probably about three parts. I'm hoping for three parts. We're going to find mm-hmm. out at, after I finish up doing research for part three. We'll see if I need to split that. But I'm really, really excited about today's episode, Alex. I'm, I'm super excited. It features one of the best games in the series, and I'm assuming one of the worst. Actually, we're not going to get to the worst game today. Darn. Oh, well. Right? Don't worry. That, no, they, we're just we're saving that for next episode in order to just start with the showstopper. Yeah, course, okay. We're, we're talking about Resident Evil Six. Oh yeah. It's, oh, Which oh you know God. what? I forgot how many storylines that game has. That 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 game probably needs yeah some time <laughs> to breathe. That is literally going to be me taking like forty five minutes to explain all four separate plot lines. Oh boy. Oh re six. Oh yeah, it is. There's a lot of ideas in that game, and about 90% of them are bad. Yep. But the the stories that we're going to be talking about today are going to be quite fantastic, because this is where Resident Evil gets off the rails. Mm-hmm. Because, you see, if you, just to give you a quick refresher for those of you who have not listened to Part 1, Part 1, we covered Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2, and Resident Evil 3. Games that are... It's a little weird to call it this, but... um. They're kind of down to earth and let's say plausible. Right. Like, yeah, they deal with zombies and whatnot, but nobody in it feels like they're a superhero, for instance. Like, they survive incredible odds, certainly, but, right. you know, it's something where it's like they're constantly in danger. There's constantly a threat of tension. They are survival horror games through and through. Right. It's more movie logic than anything yeah. completely absurd. Yeah. Uh, by the time we're at the end of this, uh, viruses and parasites are going to have the ability to turn you to superheroes. Yeah. Don't worry. Capcom's on it. Yep. Ca- yeah. Capcom, Capcom, as always, wants to escalate and top itself. And, well, <laughs> when we get to the part with stealth bombers trying to drop viruses in major cities, well, yeah. needless to say, it's going to get... Uh, it's going to get quite wacky, which is why I'm very excited about this, because mm, mm, it's so good. It's Capcom and it's most Capcom. Absolutely. So just to catch everyone up who did not listen to part one, I'm just going to give you an incredibly quick synopsis of that. First Resident Evil uh, involves a Midwestern town, a mansion that uh, is owned by a biopharmaceutical company named Umbrella, has a bunch of zombie outbreaks. A paramilitary force goes in to try to stop it. Uh, they all basically die, except for two people. 
Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine. And I guess there's two other people, but they don't really matter that much. But a couple months later, unfortunately, the virus ends up getting to Raccoon City, a major uh, Midwestern town of about 100,000 people. Everybody dies except for our main characters, uh, Leon S. Candy, a rookie cop, Claire Redfield, the sister of Chris, and Jill Valentine, you know, the original protagonist from the first Resident Evil. Situation gets so bad that the United States says, whatever, we're going to nuke it. And they nuke <laughs> Raccoon City, which is a little extreme. But hey, oh, oh, got to I mean... do what you got to do. It ends up with Umbrella undergoing a bunch of uh, trials brought to brought against them by the United States government, who, by the way, was in on it this entire time and trying to help develop bioweapons with Umbrella. Yeah, as, as you do. Indeed. And it ends with Umbrella going out of business. And that's where we are sitting at today. So yeah, Alex, are you excited to talk about the next game of the Resident Evil series? I sure am. Great, because we're going to talk about Resident Evil Code Veronica. Yeah, everyone's favorite. The yeah, game that saved the Dreamcast. It saved the Dreamcast, a game that was a pretty big deal when it came out. and But I think nobody, nobody talks about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it is, despite how well received it was, it uh, it's been just kind of scrubbed from the collective consciousness. Although I, may, I don't know, maybe give it some time, maybe they'll decide to remake that game too. You never know. They probably will, given their current track record. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So to give a little bit of background on uh, Code Veronica, uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, Code Veronica first started out as a project to port Resident Evil Two to the Sega Saturn which didn't quite work out so well just due to technical difficulties that were present when trying to develop for the Saturn. Uh, Capcom was really wanting to develop games for Sega, though, because they had a very good relationship with them. Like, a lot of really good fighting games came out uh, for, for the Saturn, for instance. They just had a really close working relationship around this time. Mm -hmm. So, good news, though. the Sega ended up releasing a console in 1998-1999, called the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, the Dreamcast was pretty pretty ahead of its time as far as like capabilities, uh, like graphical capabilities, uh, as well as things like online connection, like uh, internet play, just like involving the internet in general. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just filled with all sorts of like really, really goofy ideas. Uh, it was a very short-lived system. Yeah. <laughs> kind yep. of lasted only about two years, but my God, was those two years incredibly good. Yeah. It, it's very much a cult favorite system that kind of died on the vine. Yeah, it is my it is my second favorite console of all time after the, the Super Nintendo. Mm. Because those two years were really, really strong. And I played a lot of Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm. Yep, fair. So with the Saturn, uh, not the Saturn, with the Dreamcast coming out and the potential to be able to use its capabilities to make like a next generation Resident Evil game, Capcom jumped on this immediately and started developing Resident Evil Code Veronica. Uh, Code Veronica would end up releasing on the Dreamcast would be very well received, but because of the poor sales of the Dreamcast in general, it would eventually get ported to the PlayStation 2 and GameCube as Resident Evil Code Veronica X. Uh, the X stands for e excellent. Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> Capcom naming conventions never have never mattered and have never made sense. Nope. But yeah, as I've insinuated, it's kind of nowadays just not really talked about a whole lot. 
Uh, it's really, really telling that Resident e- uh, Capcom has remade Resident Evil 3. Skipped Code Veronica is now remaking Resident Evil 4. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's very, very strange, but it's definitely the first game where things start to escalate at a level that is, let's just say, completely, completely bonkers. As we're going to get into as we start talking about the plot of Resident Evil Code Veronica. Oh, but actually, before we get to that, uh, Alex, have you ever played Code Veronica or familiar with I, it at all? I have not. Um, I am somewhat familiar with its premise, but that's yeah. about it. Sounds good. Sounds good. I played a little bit of the PlayStation 2 version mm. and then like read a lot of Let's Plays for like the Dreamcast version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's one of the few Resident Evils I haven't completely played through. It just... There was a lot of good Dreamcast games that came out at the time, and so I was, right. I was playing those, and then by the time I got a PlayStation 2, this had already kind of come and gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, completely weird game. And so let's kind of jump into it. So, Resident Evil Code Veronica takes place three months after the events of Resident Evil 2. So, it's about December of 1998, and immediately, right off the bat, this is a real tone setter. Because it starts out with a cutscene of our our friend, Clara Redfield, who is in Paris for one reason or another. <laughs> so I she, feel like the Redfields just kind of end up in Europe a lot. They kind of do. They just go to, like, whenever things go wrong, they're like, we gotta go to Europe, we gotta find Umbrella. Yep. Or find whoever they're trying to figure, like, locate and whatnot. Right. And so, yeah, she's there looking for her brother. And she decides that the best way to find him is to infiltrate an Umbrella-owned facility in Paris and <laughs> just, like, get information on him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Wait, how does Umbrella own things? I thought they were dissolved. So this is... Oh, I guess prior I, I sh- to their yeah. dissolving. Yeah, I. that's kind of one thing that maybe was a mistake about talking about the raccoon trials a little bit early. Umbrella mm-hmm. does not dissolve until about 2003. Okay. So as of this point, Umbrella still exists. So uh, she uh, is immediately caught, and in a running gun battle ensues, <laughs> where special forces soldiers are just trying to gun her down in the middle of Paris. Attack helicopters are, like, trying to shoot her. She's, like, doing, like, John Woo-esque, like, gun foo stuff, where she's, like, dropping guns and, like, diving at him to grab him and, like, like, like shoot soldiers and, like, mm-hmm. really, like, crazy ways. Just to remind you all, this is a 21-year-old woman who is still currently in college, and as far as I know, has never had any special forces training at all. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a running trend in Resident Evil from now on. So eventually, though, she just gets caught, and like she's held up in gunpoint, and, and for one reason or another, Umbrella decides, actually, we're not going to shoot you now. <laughs> and hmm. so... Instead, she's taken to a remote island called the Rockford Island, where Umbrella has a secret base there where they're doing experiments, because of course. Yeah, sure. And like she's being interrogated by this man by the name Rodrigo when all of a sudden just like explosions happens, bad things go on and whatnot. And like an air raid literally happens and wipes out most of the island and also unleashes a bunch of the T-virus and everyone becomes zombies. Oh, cool. Whoops. So Claire escapes uh, with the help of Rodrigo because he's like, man, listen, we're all going to die. Why don't you just run? Who knows? Maybe you'll live. And so Claire's like, man, this is really strange. Bunch of zombies. Man, twice in three months. What are the odds? Yeah. 
Now, she ends up running into a fellow inmate by the name of Steve Burnside, who is a douchebag. <laughs> he is the worst. Steve is a floppish, brown-haired man who, like, basically, if I remember correctly, I'm going to, I need to remind myself what he looks like with the picture uh, to get his description. Yes, okay, I... At first, I was. I first, I thought I was going to slander him by talking about how he how he's dressed, but no, he has camo pants on. But on top of that, he has like a blue button down shirt that is open, like exposed exposing his chest, which he has a mm-hmm. yellow uh, tank top on underneath. This man looks ridiculous. The early two thousands were a dark time for Capcom character designs. They really were, like. They did Power Stone, which was great, and they mm. used up all their energy on that, and everything yeah. else just fell apart. Yeah. It's great. So, Steve's basic thing is literally just to go like, hey, beautiful, how you doing? And then get angry when Claire asks him questions and then run off in a huff. That is literally <laughs> his character arc. Wow. Like, there's like one moment where he, like, he starts talking about his dad, and like, and like Claire's like, oh, what about your dad? He's like, Family is meaningless. I'm out of here. It's like, oh, okay, dude. There's another really good moment where, like, Claire needs to get, like, a couple of, like, gold Lugers and, like, insert them into a wall in order to open up, like, uh, a secret passage because Resident Evil has really silly puzzles. And, mm. like, <laughs> like, Steve just steals them. <laughs> and Claire's, oh. like, hey, I, Claire's like, hey, I need those. And he's like, nah, not unless you give me something better. It's like, We're trying to get out of here, idiot. <laughs> Wow. What a what an amazingly compelling character. Oh yeah, he's the absolute worst. So you, Claire like runs into him occasionally. Like eventually she like they all stumble upon this room like that has like a computer in it. And like she finds Steve, he's like looking up information on Chris. And she's like, Oh wow, you're looking up information on Chris? Man, yeah, he's my brother. And he's like, Oh wow, crazy. Maybe you should send a message to him so you can let him know where we are and he can come and rescue us. And she's like, that's a great idea. Like, I don't know where he is, but my friend Leon, who Leon told Claire that Chris might be in Paris, which is why she went there in the first place. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, I'll send my, a message to Leon. Hopefully he can get that to Chris. And then Steve's like, I was just joking. You should never rely on family. They'll always let you down. And then runs off. Because once again, that's just what he does. Right. Um... So Leon was like, hey, Chris might be in Paris. I don't know how Leon knew that. And then Claire was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to Paris. And now she's like, oh, maybe Leon could get a message to Chris? Yeah, basically. Why didn't she ask Leon to get a message to Chris instead of going to Paris? Because the Redfields are go-getters and don't really think as much as act. <laughs> like, they see a fire, instead of trying to put out the fire, they're like, what if I just roll around in the fire a lot? That'll put yeah. it out. If I use my body to smother it, it'll be fine. Like, that's, that is exactly how Chris <laughs> and Claire feel, like, yeah, act about anything. The, yeah, that appears to be accurate. All, like... Also, Claire's only character motivation ever is to find Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. after a certain point, you should just stop trying. Yeah, after we 
we like talk about the Revelations games, which won't will be this time, but it'll be next mm. time. Okay. She'll eventually do something where it's not just like Chris related, but yeah, for now it's literally just like I gotta find my brother Chris. Oh no, I'm in Antarctica. <laughs> How'd I get to Antarctica? So yeah, like Claire like eventually catches up to Steve again. We find out why Steve feels like family always betrayed. Because it turns out Steve ran into his dad, who's now a zombie. Uh, yeah, apparently when Steve himself came to the island to look for his dad and got captured, which is why he was in prison as well. Oh. And yeah, he ends up unfortunately having to kill his dad, which obviously leaves him a little traumatized. Yeah, that's fair. Now, another thing that's going to leave him a little traumatized is that a crazy albino looking man is going to show up and tries to immediately murder them with a hunting rifle. Oh. Yeah. And this guy's name is Alfred Ashford. He's apparently the island commander, and he's, like, dressing up like a British noble or whatnot, and he's like, how, how dare you come to my island? Oh, you don't know what my life is like. You must leave. Also, I'm going to hunt you down with my rifle. His entire thing during this first half of the game is to show up, take pot shots at Claire, and immediately miss, mm. monologue, and then leave. Now... During this, you occasionally, like, run into him again, but he's now claiming he's somebody named Alexia Ashford as well. And he claims that, yes, he has a twin sister. A twin sister that is just so much more smarter and beautiful than her, and he must protect her no matter what. Oh, God, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it it's, begins. It begins. And so you're like, okay, so he has like some sort of like split personality thing kind of going on. That's really strange. But well, okay, whatever. So now eventually like they uh, end up uh, finding like this plane in like, like are about to escape like the island and whatnot. Because it turns out Steve can fly airplanes, which is good. Uh, and like they, they start flying off when unfortunately Alfred actually sneaks up on, onto the plane and whatnot. And, like, manages to activate the autopilot to take him to a secret Antarctic umbrella base. Oh. Yeah. Now, they immediately end up landing there, and, like, Alfred, like, immediately mutates. Uh, no, um, like, Steve, like, shoots Alfred, like, like mortally wounds him. Uh, but not before he can unleash his father, Alexander Ashford, who turns out is kind of, like, a mutated mess. Oh. Who's being in prison on the Antarctica base. Now, like... They, like, managed to, like, take him out and whatnot. And they're like, okay, well, that was kind of crazy. We got to get out of this base. There's, like, an Australian base, like, research outpost that's, like, not far from here. We'll just get on the snowmobile and leave. And, like, they start leaving when all of a sudden, like, a bunch of tentacles, like, grab them and just, like, subdue them. And, like, whoa, what the heck is this? <laughs> well, it turns out good old Al Alfred, as he was dying, managed to reach a capsule, which he then activated, that ended up revealing that Oh no, he actually does have a twin sister. A twin sister by the name of Alexa Ashford. Now, there's no real good time to explain Alexa's deal, so we're just going to do that right now. Because, <laughs> oh boy, the Ashford family are a thing. <laughs> so the Ashfords are one of the founding members, uh, their family is one of the founding members of Umbrella. Now, Alexander, the patriarch of the family, uh, he was, like, really, really worried, like, scared of, like, Oswald and whatnot, as far, like, the Oswald Spencer, the um, 
the owner of Umbrella and whatnot, because he's like, oh man, we're moving into like researching viruses and stuff like that. And that's, I don't have a degree in that. There's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with the current trends and whatnot. And eventually I'm just going to get pushed out. And then my family's going to be left out in the lurch. So it turns out this man who is described as not being very smart isolates the gene for intelligence in the human genome. What? Yeah, did you know that there's a, a gene that determines how intelligent you're going to be in the human genome? I, I did not. I must have missed that part of biology class. Yeah, I I, I guess I missed that one too. Uh, but yeah, no, apparently it's there. I, I'm guessing it's like, you know, snuggled up next to the part, the gene that determines whether or not you're going to be pedantic as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like if Umbrella had discovered that gene, they could have done anything. Yeah, it honestly feels like a really, really impressive thing to have discovered. Yeah. And Alexander, excited about this, goes about putting it to use. He uses it to create two clones of his grandmother. Huh? Yes. A boy and a girl. Now, this girl... Alexia ends up becoming super duper intelligent and like absolutely rad and is great at everything. And then there's Alfred, who's kind of a fail child. Uh, he's described as being moderately intelligent. Okay. Now, both of these twins find out that their father like kind of did all this to them, like modified their genome in order to make them like super duper smart and like essentially use them to advance his own career. And so they kind mm -hmm. of come to resent him or whatnot. But they kind of go along with his dumb little plans at first because it turns out they start like the T virus starts to become a thing right now. And they decide, well, what if we created a strain that could be that could not only like, you know, in incur like, you know, greater physical strength and like intelligence and whatnot, but also not turn you into a zombie. And this strain is called the T Veronica virus. Why so he called that. Oh, because um, the uh, uh, their grandmother's name was Veronica, and so it's kind of a tribute to her, a woman who was known for incredible intelligence and beauty, which is also why she was selected to be to use her DNA to make clones and whatnot. Right. Okay. So he ends up. Um, at, this is Alexander ends up infecting Alfred and Alexa with the T Veronica virus. Uh, no, my apologies, that's incorrect. He only infects Alexia with the with the T Veronica virus. And he also, like, somehow ends up getting infected as well, which is why he becomes, like, kind of a mass of ugliness. Wait, why did he kills. infect her with the... Isn't she, like, the best person? Yes, but he wants to make her the bester. Shouldn't so, you get just some random schmuck who's, like, not that great and be like, yo, look how great this Veronica virus makes them? Yeah, you would think that he would do that, but no. Okay. No. Okay, just just risk the culmination of all your research on other research, I guess. Yeah, guess so. Hey, you know, <laughs> as it turns out with researchers at Umbrella, it's just more like, what if we just keep pushing the envelope well past yeah. where we need to? Yeah, okay, sure. So yeah, uh, Alexander eventually becomes incapacitated, but... Uh, Alexia herself is like, oh man, this actually could be really good, but the virus needs to get used to my body first and mature. So what if I go into cryostasis for 15 years? And Alfred, you're my brother. I love you. You protect me during that time. And so 15 years passed. He lets Alexia out. And now she's like, 
basically like a weird she's like basically like poison ivy she's like a plant mm-hmm. lady essentially okay sure and so yeah she ends up uh capturing claire and steve so she could you know do depraved experiments on them essentially now you're, um you're i'm right? sorry so where was she sleeping in cryostasis antarctica and where was alfred Oh, Alfred was in Rockport, but he snuck onto the plane that Claire and Steve tried to leave with. Right. Wasn't he supposed to protect Alexia? You know, that's a great question. They never really explained that one. Why wasn't he in Antarctica? Great question. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. So you think, okay, well, I guess how's Claire going to get out of this mess? Uh And Code Veronica's answer is, well, we're... uh, what if you wanted to play as Chris instead? That's right, our boy Chris Redfield is back! Okay, cool. Yeah, this is kind of like a weird, almost Metal Gear Solid 2 like plot twist where it's like, well, what if instead you just play as Chris for the vast majority of the rest of the game up until the very end? Ah. Yeah, and so Chris has heard that Clara got captured by Umbrella and was in prison on Rockport Island. How did he hear that? Great question. Oh, he, he heard about it from Leon. Could these people just maybe talk to Leon? <laughs> right? I feel like like just just communicating more with Leon would solve a lot of the problems. That or Leon just being like, what if I just gave you his email address? Yeah. Yeah, Leon. Mm. How does Leon know all of these things? Well, we might... <sighs> I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, it's not ever explained, but there's there's a very plausible theory, let's let's say. So Chris is on Rockport well after Claire and Steve have already left, and he's like, Oh man, there's a lot of zombies here. That's bad. But he ends up like reach like kind of like going through the mansion that's on that island, and he eventually mm-hmm. runs into somebody he thought was dead. And mm-hmm. it's our boy, Albert Wesker. He's back. Oh what damn. We- when we saw, last saw Wesker, he got stabbed in the stomach by a tyrant and was left for dead. Uh, and then the mansion exploded, which means he should be double dead. But he no, really should be, but... He should be, but he's not. And so he's there, he's like, oh, hey, how's it going, Chris? Good to see you, buddy. Well, you know, Claire's not here. I'm just here to get samples of, uh, of the T-virus here, because... Uh, you know, turns out uh, we kind of need that for my organization that I'm working for. <laughs> Chris is like, but you work for Umbrella. And he's like, uh, no, no, I don't actually. <laughs> Not anymore. So we need to get all this. And I'm also looking for the T Veronica virus as well. And boy, this Alexia girl sounds interesting. Eh, mutated, but re- retains all her intelligence and everything like that. We'll love to get some samples of that. Anyways, Bye. <laughs> also, by, also, by the way, she's Antarctica. So, Chris like immediately leaves and goes to Antarctica to rescue Claire, and you know, through things that happen, eventually does uh, rescue Claire, but not before Steve gets taken away to have experiments done on him by Alexia. Oh no! Yeah, poor Steve. Steve, unfortunately, is going to be infected with the T. Veronica virus and will kind of go a little bit crazy. He'll turn to a big hulking mass of, like, tentacles and just, like, meat. Although he'll still retain his head and flop his hair, so good on him. He still looks okay. good. Okay, yeah. Great. Yeah. And so, 
Chris and Claire have to fight him, and eventually, like, like alongside Lexia as well. And, like, they're all about to die because they just can't take off both of them at once, but not before uh, Steve, like, kind of regains his sanity and attacks Alexia. Uh, unfortunately, he's not really able to, like, stop her. Like, he just kind of drives her away. And, unfortunately, mm-hmm. he ends up so wounded that he ends up, well, dying, essentially. But before he dies, he does confess his love to Claire. He's like, Claire, I love you. And uh, never forget me. And Claire's like, what? Oh. Mm. Mm. Like, she's like mildly sad about it, but she's like, uh, 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 mm. mm. awkward, right? Well, yeah. Okay, well, bye. Bye. And so, like, they're about to, like, leave the island, like, leave Antarctica, kind of get out of there. Uh, when Wesker shows up, he's like, hey, how's it going? Uh, here gets the sample of that T. Veronica virus. And Chris is like, well, guess what? She's gone. There's no way you can get it. Um, Oh, because, yeah, they managed to uh, kill Alexia as well. Oh, okay. Just just kind of... It's unceremonious, I know. Okay. Does does Chris know that viruses tend to linger in a dead body? I mean, viruses in this this universe don't make sense. And also... Well, I, well, I think she ends up getting incinerated, if I remember correctly. She, her oh, body okay. gets destroyed. Okay. Because yeah, Chris tells uh, a Wesker that hey, you can't use Alexia's body; it's gone. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's okay. Steve's, I found Steve's body in a vertical. Right. It. Yeah. Yeah. There's also that. That makes sense. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, no, it's fine. Also, it turns out uh, the T Veronica virus is kind of useless, anyways. So, oh, don't really why need is that. that? Oh, apparently it doesn't really make anybody that much more intelligent. And, like, other virus samples they've had, like the T-virus and G-virus, are more than suited for their needs, essentially. Oh. So, essentially, the entire Ashford legacy was useless. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it made one super strong person, uh, as long as they were frozen for 15 years. And were already super smart anyways. And that's about it. Okay. Yeah. And so, Wesker's like... Man, you know, Chris. Oh, yeah. What's really funny is like he acts like ends up capturing Claire. He's like, ah, you know, Chris, you're a pretty good guy, but boy, you have some misplaced confidence about your abilities. Chris is like, man, you should just fight me and let her go. He's like, oh, yeah, no, okay, sure. Here you go. Just Claire. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, you said you wanted to fight? Yeah, I'm down. Let's do this, man. Let's Uh-oh. throw down. Uh, hmm. So, like, he like tosses off his glasses and whatnot, and it turns out. Uh, he has yellow eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. And, like, Crystal's, like, a little taken aback by, by this. And he's even more taken aback when he tries to, like, attack him with a pipe. Like, he hits him in the head of a pipe and just bends it. Mm-hmm. And Wester's like, huh, yeah, that's funny. All right. Anyways, I'm going to kick you so hard you fly across the room. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, it turns out uh, Wesker is basically impervious to any form of damage and is super strong. Mm, I wonder how that could have happened. I wonder how that could have happened. And so he basically just spends like the next five minutes just beating the shit out of Chris. <laughs> just mm, wailing on him. Now, Chris manages like to get away from him. Uh, and like during this time, like Claire's like also trying to find a way to like escape. Uh, and like ends up like running into Alexi again. Turns out she's still alive. Uh, so she oh, like, ends okay. up disabling her like a self-destruct sequence of course gets activated and yeah, Chris and yeah and Chris and Claire manage to use to uh, uh, destroy Lexio like with a nice like like prototype I think it's like a railgun or something like that 
Okay, sure. Right as the and an escape right as the island explodes, ending the game. So yeah, that's Code Veronica. How do people have all this crap? <laughs> How did this weird Antarctic base have a frozen woman, weird prototype weapons, and like weird and an isolated intelligence gene? Like Umbrella didn't want any of that stuff. No, apparently not. Okay. I, I, to be fair, it sounds like Alexander never revealed to Umbrella his research on the side. Like, he was, like, trying to perfect things, and it was going to, like, tell him about it later to, like, basically secure his legacy, but and it, things happened to him. Uh-huh. So, you know, maybe Umbrella, it seems like Umbrella maybe just wasn't aware of that. Right. But still, yeah, like, that's, that's something that would be very, very valuable, you think. You, you would think, for a guy who was worried that he was going to get pushed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd think he'd want to, like, you know, be like, hey, eh? Yeah, eh? look at this! I'm somehow a really good geneticist. Also, did we figure out why Alfred had a split personality disorder? He really, really loved his sister, but also had an inferiority complex uh, regarding her and wanted to be like her. Okay, so he willed himself a second personality that didn't know about her? And was a British captain? Yeah, I, I think he like knew about her, but she'd just been gone for so long. It's it's strange. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of things that don't make a whole lot of sense, Alex, it turns out that they wanted to make at least one more Resident Evil in kind of like the old tank control style. Mm-hmm. And Capcom themselves in a recurring pattern of where they just decide to kind of go all in on companies with failing consoles. Mm -hmm. Besides, what if we made a couple of exclusive games for the Nintendo GameCube? Oh, it's time, huh? This is not technically time for the Capcom 5, but it's pretty darn close. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alex, have you heard of a little game called Resident Evil Zero? I sure have. Have you ever played it? No, I have not. You don't have to. Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil Zero is an interesting game in the sense that I have no idea why it exists beyond we should make money. Mm -hmm. I think it's mainly that. Yeah. Uh, it, very similar to how Capcom wanted to make a Resident Evil game for a Sega console. Capcom mm -hmm. wanted to make an exclusive Resident Evil game for a Nintendo console, because, once again, Capcom also had a pretty good relationship with Nintendo around this time. Right. And so, for the Nintendo 64, they had this idea of using the Nintendo, the N64 cartridge, which can load things a lot faster in CD, to kind of do some really, really strange things with the Resident Evil formula. Um, now, unfortunately, due to limitations on that console, it just didn't quite really work out. Mm-hmm. So they ended up switching development over to the GameCube instead, which actually had CDs that were capable of writing right. incredibly quickly. It was kind of the main gimmick of the GameCube in many ways. Mm. Uh, so they were able to kind of like port over a lot of their ideas, update the assets and whatnot, and make a game whose story is absolutely useless to the game. Because <laughs> as, as you can guess from the name Resident Evil Zero, this is a prequel to Resident Evil. Right. And by prequel, I mean it takes place, I think, Hours before? Yeah, like Resident hours. Evil? And stars our friend, 
good old Rebecca Chambers, everyone's favorite eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old uh, <laughs> uh, special forces operative with a bachelor's in biology for some reason. Who, as we know from Resident Evil One, starts and ends the game in the vicinity of the Spencer Mansion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she arrives there with Bravo team. Things go bad. She teams with Alpha team and then leaves. And has yeah. no. It is like just as surprised that zombies are there as everyone else. Yeah, for one reason or another, they decided. Well, what if we had her kind of do cool things because she was a fan favorite character at the time? So got to do something with her, right? Yeah, sure. That seems like a Capcom thing to do. It is a very Capcom thing to do. Now, this game does have, like, one cool gimmick with it in that there's technically two playable characters in this. Mm -hmm. And that other character actually actively follows you around. And that's uh, Billy Cohen, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, and there's, like, there's like no, like, way to save items. So you have to drop items and, like, right. strategically go back and grab them. Like, it, there's some interesting ideas in it, but... Right. Well, because if I recall correctly, you're playing both scenarios at the same time, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's, yeah that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting idea that um, uh, most reviewers were like, well, this is a decent game, but boy, you should really do something different now. Uh-huh. Yeah, the plot of this makes absolutely no sense. As we, So let's go ahead and dive into it and get, just kind of get this knocked out. Uh, this is going to be a very truncated version of this because, like mm. I said, the events of this don't really matter at all. No. So essentially what happens is that, uh, you know, hours before... The events of Resident Evil. Uh, it turns out there, Umbrella has a train called the Ecliptic Express, and it's like traveling through like the like Arcade Mountains, and like you know, this train is like attacked by a bunch of leeches for some reason. <laughs> right, I forgot it was leeches. Mm -hmm. And it ends up derailing, and so how does like, a train get attacked by leeches? Oh, we'll get into how in a second. Okay. But what if the leashes were sentient? Anyways, so Bravo team ends up like, you know, arriving in the Arclay Mountains around this time. And like, oh, we probably should, you know, figure out what's going on with that. That's kind of weird. Also, there's this wrecked um, uh, military vehicle. Oh, huh, weird. Anyways, so uh, Rebecca ends up finding somebody there by the name of Second Lieutenant Billy Cohen. Uh, it turns out that he... He was a prisoner who was being escorted to his execution because he's accused of and convicted of murdering 23 people. Uh, I'm going to spoil this now. He did not murder 23 people. He's actually a good guy. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. Yeah, no, it, it turns out that uh, the U.S. intervened in the Civil War in Africa. And then for one reason or another, his unit decided they were going to execute like a bunch of guerrilla forces. And oh. Billy's like, nah, you shouldn't do that. And he got knocked out, and then the U.S. government just pinned it on him. So, hey. Okay, sure. So, where was he when he was being escorted to his execution? So, he was in a, like, on a military escort that basically was near the train when it got derailed. And a train derailment basically caused the truck that he was on to crash. That got attacked by leeches and zombies and all sorts of bad things, and then he escaped. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she ends up teaming up with him to investigate, hey, why exactly this train got derailed and what's exactly going on here while the rest of uh, uh, Bravo team kind of does their thing. Mm -hmm. So 
It turns out the Ecliptic Express was, you know, transporting T-virus samples. And it turns out the thing that derailed it is a giant leech monster called the Queen Leech. Now, you're probably wondering, why leeches? Mm-hmm. So it turns out there's this guy by the name of Dr. Marcus. Now, Dr. Marcus is one of the founders of Umbrella, and he's a brilliant, brilliant man who I, who I studied the progenitor virus and isolated the T-virus from that. Okay. Yeah. The problem is that he was starting to get worried that Oswald uh, Spencer was going to get, have him murdered to take all the credit. And to be fair, he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because Albert Wesker and William Burkett basically end up murdering him and stealing all his work. So before he could die, though, uh, he takes one of his leeches, which he was using to test the T-virus out on, and uses it to infect himself, which turns him into the Queen Leech. Woo! Uh-huh. Yeah, now he has the ability to command leeches. <laughs> why? Why is that his ability? I don't know. Still, why leeches? It's like, if you, if I, he did that with crows, and he used the crow to infect himself, would he turn into a giant crow? Maybe? That'd be cool. I mean, I'd be, I mean, I'd be down with that. Anyways, Rebecca and Billy end up like... Wait, why did he need to use leeches to infect himself? He is a scientist. He has syringes. Well, I guess because the leeches already had the T-virus in them, and it could just cause blood transference or something like that. Uh, why did the leeches have the T-virus in them? Because leeches are super regenerative and are resistant to the T-virus. And so are can, they? I, apparently they are now. <laughs> <laughs> they totally, totally are. Okay. So, long story short, uh, Rebecca and Billy end up making their way to a chemical plant that Umbrella owns in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And, like, discover that, oh, this is William Birkin's own private bioweapons research lab. Huh. Like, they actually run into their team leader, Enrico, who, uh -huh. uh, when we last heard of from him, uh, was being unceremoniously murdered by Wesker. Mm. And was like, hey, wow, what the heck are you doing out here? Like, Rebecca explains everything. She's like, oh, well, we need to actually go and figure out what's going on in this mansion. But Rebecca's like, no, I gotta go find Billy. And, like, we gotta do things. He's like, alright, well, cool. Anyways, do what you gotta do. I'm gonna... I'm leaving the game now. <laughs> so eventually, like, they end up running into a tire and have to fight him off and all that. Uh, sure. Uh, they run into Marcus and the Queen Leech, who, like, Marcus is, like, straight up, like, I'm going to just try to take over the world and get my revenge on Umbrella for murdering me. And all that. Mm-hmm. Rebecca and, like, uh, Billy end up, like, completely and totally, like, m you know, murdering him or whatnot. Uh... And end up uh, blowing up the treatment plant, taking them with it. Now, Rebecca and Billy end up parting ways here, and Rebecca's like, hey, don't worry, Billy. I'm just going to just say you're dead, so don't worry about it. And uh, everything will be fine. I'm going to cover up your entire existence. Sure. Anyways, I got to go to this mansion and actually do my job and never comment about any of this ever again. So, mm -hmm. uh, And we're never going to talk about you ever again either, Billy. So uh, take care. Enjoy the rest of your life. And that's Resident Evil Zero. A very pointless game. Yeah, wow. Um, that really just created more questions mm -hmm. than it answered because there were no questions for it to answer. Yeah, it wasn't really any. It's just more like, 
what if we talked about a little bit more about the origin origins of regenerative virus, but in right. a way that is never going to be relevant ever again? Yeah, it it came from leeches, maybe. I guess I don't know. Yeah, possibly. It's it's here, I guess. We blew up another research facility. A lot of it. It did succeed in making Umbrella significantly more like cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Because, like, again, the first three games were just like, oh, it's a bioweapons firm with loose morality. Mm. And now it's like, well, the the chair, the founding chairman might have maybe been like a megalomaniac mm -hmm. who surrounded himself with murderers and insane people. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out he's... <laughs> and the best part is... He might have created a lot of those insane murderers that he surrounds himself with, which is great. Yeah. Also, I do have to give a slight correction to the Queen Leech's origins. So, mm. Marcus gets killed by Birkin and Wesker, dumped in water. The leeches absorb Marcus, forming the Queen Leech. And <sighs> the, it is questionable whether or not it's actually Marcus in control or the leeches in control. <laughs> <laughs> Why do the leeches want to take over the world? Eh. Because leeches, man. Leeches, Weird. man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's really, really stupid. It's a really stupid game. You know what game isn't stupid, Alex? What's that? Well, okay, this game is stupid, but it's stupid it's, great. If you're about to say Resident Evil 4, it's very stupid. It is very stupid, and it is indeed Resident Evil 4. Oh, a man. hell of a game! Incredible game. Oh my god, a game that still holds up to this day and does not need to be remade. But no. It, it better be incredible. They made it like three times. They kind of did. <laughs> my god, this game's been ported so many times. Uh, well, I was I was talking about the first time they made it. Oh yes, yeah, we're going to get into that here in a sec, but yeah. So yeah, uh, by the time Resident Evil Zero came out, the Resident Evil format ended up becoming very much long in the tooth. Yeah. Uh, and that was noted by reviewers when they you know, reviewed Resident Evil Zero, a game that everyone agreed was a solid, like, 8 out of 10 game, but mm -hmm. maybe didn't need any more of that. Yeah, it was it was kind of reaching the end of its, uh, of its, like, relevance, I guess you could say. It really was. And it turns out the people at Capcom, particularly Shinji Mikami, really realized that. Mm -hmm. And so for Resident Evil 4, which was going to be a GameCube exclusive game, but part of a deal called the Capcom 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a deal that produced some of like Capcom's most interesting and quirky games, and also PN03. Yeah. And games that all would end up eventually getting ported to other other consoles, except for PN03. Can't imagine yeah, why. Yeah, funny that. Oh, yeah, funny weird. that one. Uh, yeah, for Resident Evil 4, though, the decision was made to do something radically different. Uh, Mikami wanted to do something that was much more action-oriented. Uh, he felt that the formula just really needed to be shaken up. And at first, he wasn't really sure how best to go about that. Uh, so he uh, ended up... Uh, the first prototype ended up becoming something completely different. It was an incredibly action-oriented game where you could... Mm -hmm. You basically were like a superhero who could jump around, uh, just shoot anything that was on the screen, and like while still like retaining the like classic Resident Evil camera. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a game that ended up being felt was like way too different from Resident Evil, and 
uh, to the point that we're like, well, this is a great idea, but it shouldn't be a Resident Evil game. Right. And of course, that became something that was equally awesome called the Devil May Cry series. Mm-hmm. So that didn't quite work out. Uh, so instead, what they ended up doing was kind of doing a bunch of prototypes that kind of went back to the survival horror roots of the original Resident Evil, taking place in a mansion and starring everyone's favorite rookie cop, Leon S. Kennedy. Now, there were three different iterations that ended up coming out. Well, that didn't, did not come out, but were in development that got pretty far in development. Mm-hmm. One that involved like being terrorized essentially by a fog and fog monsters mm-hmm. and had like classic zombies and whatnot. The second where you were like chased around by a, a spirit, like basically a spirit that had a hook for an arm that would constantly follow you from room to room a la like a nemesis. Uh, and you would like go around a mansion trying to figure out the, the secret behind this, uh, this man and how you could potentially stop him. But those didn't really jive with what Mikami wanted to do, which once again was something a little bit more action-oriented. So they eventually settled on what was eventually going to become the basis for Resident Evil 4. Now, there was a lot of difficulty convincing the team to do this. Apparently there was a lot of people inside Capcom who pushed back heavily at uh, making Resident Evil a more action-oriented series. Mm. But uh, apparently Mikami like, literally just sat his team down and like, explained the reasons why he wanted to do this and Apparently got them on board in order to do this. Right. Uh, now, what eventually ended up happening is they shifted the camera behind the character in a third-person view, uh, putting the character off to the left, uh, retaining the tank controls, oddly enough, mm-hmm. but making it so that you had f- greater freedom to like aim where you want and shoot where you want, and just flooding the enemy, the screen with enemies. Right. Now, this eventually ended up resulting in a game that, despite its controls, is a much more active and action-oriented game, and one that actually is incredibly inspir- like, uh, inspirational. Mm-hmm. Uh, games like Gears of War actually owe their existence to the ideas that Resident Evil 4 set down. Like, there's developers on, that, on Gears of War that directly reference Resident Evil 4 as being like, we saw what happened with that, we went, oh, no, we gotta do something similar to that with our own game. Right. And... It, when it came out, it basically set the world on... Well, I wouldn't say it set the world on fire, but it was incredibly well-regarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah, it, it was very well-liked and, as you alluded to, created a lot of imitation because it worked so well. It did, yeah. Like, the third-person-based cover shooter exists because of Resident Evil 4 in right. many ways. Now, the game's story itself, under since it undergone like, a whole lot of different changes throughout the years... Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up being very, very hastily written. Uh, Siji Mikami is on the record saying he took basically three weeks to, in order to develop <laughs> the story. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yes. It 100% shows because this game is basically just going from action set piece to action set piece with things just happening to the characters at random, it seems like. Yeah. But yeah, it's ultimately, though, I think this, the story works very much in service to the game. And the story itself is very much disconnected from the greater Resident Evil like mythos in a way that honestly I felt was like a real big breath of fresh air by this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as mentioned, the game literally starts with them being like, oh, Umbrella got sued and they they no longer exist. Right. Anyways, here's the thing, you're in Spain now. Yeah. Now, don't that's not don't th- gotta worry about T virus. Nope, no T virus here. And while like there's gonna be things that are gonna be established in Resident Evil 4 that are gonna be brought forward in Resident Evil 5, it is mm-hmm. very much its own thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, how about we go ahead and jump into the plot of Resident Evil 4? Let's do that. 
So Resident Evil 4, once again, stars our hero, Leon S. Kennedy. And when we find him, and I believe this game takes place in 2003, we find him in a car with a couple of Spanish authorities just driving to a random village. Now, it is established that good old Leon, after he ended up getting captured by the U.S. government at the end of Resident Evil 2, uh, the government was like, hey, buddy, you're under arrest for being incredibly rad. <laughs> do you want to join us and become a special forces operative? And he's like, okay, I'll do that as long as you just kind of leave Sherry alone and protect her. And they're like, right. yeah, nah, no problem. You're going to answer directly to the president. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it's a good time to remind everyone that this man has been a police officer for about three days at this time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He, yeah. he had uh, one pretty standard round of police academy training mm -hmm. and then uh, spent three days on the job in the apocalypse. Yeah, pretty much. Hung over for most of it. Yep. And the government went, man, imagine if this guy was sober. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hell of a promotion for him. Yep. Uh, and it turns out he maybe is the best man for the job, it turns out. Turns out. Yeah, because uh, Leon uh, Leon Kennedy is amazing at his job. <laughs> well, For no explicable reason. No explicable reason. So he's in this Spanish uh, town because he is looking for the president's daughter, Ashley Graham. Now, Ashley, a, a blonde-haired woman who uh, you know wear, who wears a orange uh, orange sweater, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's basically about that's it. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah, her, she basically just ended up getting kidnapped somehow. No, it's never real. Well, it is explained, but nobody really knows how. And just for some reason, it ends up in Spain. Mm. And so Leon's like, well, let's just go and figure that out. So, <laughs> like, he gets out, like, of the car and whatnot uh, while the two officers, like, stay behind. Because, like, man, this village is weird. We don't want anything to do with that. And, like, he, like, literally goes into a house, like, talk to one of the residents who, understandably, do not speak English. Yeah. Fair. Like, like yeah, this dude, maybe like, he should have taken some Spanish along. Yeah, it's really great because like this dude's just like cooking something, and Leon's like just barges to his house and is like, mm. "I got this photo today. You see this girl?" And he's like, he speaks to him in Spanish, and he's like, "I don't understand." Ah, oh, man, whatever. I guess I'll leave. But before he leaves, this man tries to attack him with uh, with a knife, and so uh, Leon shoots him. Like, it takes, like, a surprise amount of bullets to kill him. And, like, he has, like, gray skin and kind of looks a little weird. So, like, Leon's like, huh, that's weird. Well, whatever. <laughs> Not like I've seen anything like this before. Yeah, this is bizarre. So he leaves and immediately sees that, like, uh, like, his two officer friends have, like, immediately been murdered. And he's like, oh, mm. that's bad. I guess I'll just walk to this village. So he walks to his village and, like, sees the residents there who all immediately try to attack him. He gets absolutely swarmed. And a set piece that is so good. It's so good. Oh, the intro of that game so good. It's so good because you just basically have to survive for long enough. And if you do too good, the game decides to make it harder for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, eventually, like, the bell tower rings and whatnot. And everyone's like, oh, wow, Lord Salazar is calling us. But in Spanish. Right. And they all wander off, and Leon's just like... Leon here, who is definitely in full action hero mode, mm -hmm. is unfazed and is just like, oh, I guess that's a warm welcome. Mm -hmm. And of course, we get late title card, Resident Evil 4 shows up on the screen, and it's like, yes! Uh... So Leon's like, well, 
all of this is strange. Let's just kind of keep wandering around and kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, Leon clearly picked up, like, people tracking skills from Claire. Mm-hmm. Of just like, oh, this is, the person I'm looking for might be over there. I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to go there and see what happens. Yeah, I'm just going to let things happen to me and, see you and hope for the best. I mean, that kind of makes sense for exactly why he just directed Claire to just go to Paris. Right, yeah. It's like, like oh, person, Chris might be there. You should go there. It's worked out for me before. If you just go places, things happen to you. Mm-hmm. It, it's great. So Leon eventually ends up getting like knocked out by some of the residents after he wanders into a room. It's like uh, tied up with this Spanish man by the name of Luis Serra. And, like, they're about to get murdered by a dude with an axe, which is like, why didn't they just kill him beforehand? Yeah, 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 you know. Like, due to some action hero moves and whatnot, they actually managed to use the axe to cut cut the ropes that are, like, tied them together, and, like, Leon mm-hmm. subdues the dude. And Lisa's like, thanks for the help. Bye. Then leaves. Bye. So Leon's like, well, that's weird. Anyways, he, like, ends up, like, making his way to, like, this mansion or whatnot, uh, which... You spend actually a surprising little time in there. Uh, like, kind of wanders in there, only to run into this giant Rasputin-looking dude. Like, bald head, long beard, tall, built like a, built like a brick house. Mm-hmm. And, like, who just absolutely wrecks him. And, like, he tells him, like, uh, this man, whose name is Father Gregory, is like, you need to leave, American. This is no place for you. And then just, like, walks away. <laughs> now, you can actually either just, like, continue like moving on or you can actually like go into the room he went into and he's like okay you made a mistake i'm gonna mess you up <laughs> and b- but before he could do that he's shot in the back by a mysterious woman in a red dress oh no which just causes him to like jump out the window and pursue her and leon's like huh that's weird anyways leon does a lot of like huh that's weird all right yep. gonna keep doing things i mean to be fair again he was like a rookie cop for two days and then became and then got tapped to be like the super secret service. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can I can see him just constantly being in a mode of, all right, whatever, we'll roll with this. Yeah, things just sort of happened to me. And Leon's like a dog that way. He just, when things happen to him, he just doesn't think much about it. He's just yeah. like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. So eventually, like Leon finds Ashley in this church. And, uh, you know, meets up with them. And this is, like, the main crux of the game. Like, actually, like, following you around as you, I kind of protect her from the various villagers. Try to make mm-hmm. your way out of this Spanish town. Right. Uh, in gameplay, that should be incredibly frustrating. But they actually program her very well, where she keeps out of your way. Yeah. <laughs> and And also, they give you a lot of opportunities to be like, hey, just get in this pot until I deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you could literally just be like... Get in the dumpster. She's like, okay, Leon. Pops in dumpster. Yeah, she's she's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and so you continue, continue making your way through the village, but unfortunately, you, for one reason or another, I forget the reason why, you can't go back the way you came, so you just kind of have to keep moving forward and just find a way to escape. Right. Like, during this time, like, you run into this, like, giant man who's, like, literally like an ogre named El Gigante. Like, oh, yeah. Incredibly giant, and, like, he's able to, like, pick you up and throw you around and whatnot. Leon manages to kill it. Uh, and eventually, though, they end up running into the mastermind of what's called the Los Illuminados, or the cult of the village. This man's name is Osmond Sadler. 
Sadler is a cartoon character. He uh, sure is. Oh, boy. He is a man who speaks very gravely about his mission and his need to rule the world, wearing a purple cloak and himself positioning himself as the head and spiritual leader of the Los Illuminados, with people like um, uh, Father Gregorius, his right-hand man. It turns out, like, one day he just sort of, like, wandered into the village after learning about uh, some things that might help him, like, rule the world. These things are called the Los, the Las Plagas, uh, which are parasites, it turns out. Now, this particular village has these parasites that were embedded into stone, but with a little bit of magic, the magic of science, <laughs> they could be reanimated, and when their eggs, eggs are inserted to people, they will basically imbue them with, like, super strength, but also put them under the control of somebody who's, like, considered, like, the like dominant person mm. uh, by the way i hope you like the concept of the magic of science because it's going to accelerate from here on out oh yes like like i said like previous episode like viruses are essentially like magic and could do anything and it turns yep. out parasites are just new viruses in this yep. so yeah now there is a slight problem with these uh these plagas they sort of have a tendency to kill the host and make them into like essentially puppets in a sense of like they will literally just like burst out of their heads and whatnot in order to like mm, reproduce right which will happen occasionally if you like shoot one of the like uh, uh los illuminados and whatnot and cause their head explode like then a giant parasite will pop out you're like oh uh that's not great also that parasite's got like a sickle arm for some reason yeah sometimes i have sickle arms sometimes it'll just separate entirely from the body yeah. and attack you it's real messed up yeah so yeah, makes for like really great unpredictable gameplay though. It really does because you don't know when they're gonna pop out. Because like with with the original games, you shoot a zombie in the head, and like that's the best way to deal with them. Mm -hmm. They won't like if you just shoot them to death normally, they might like get up later and even get stronger. Yeah, but if you pop them in the head, they're just done. Mm -hmm. But now it's like if you pop them in the head, yes, that's the most efficient way to put them down. <laughs> usually, yeah, usually. Sometimes it creates a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it does. And yeah, it makes for some really, really good gameplay in this. Like, man. Like it, it makes it makes every like despite how action this game is, like a lot of the encounters in this are still incredibly tense because of that. Yes. So Sadler is just straight up like, hey, glad to see you all. Oh, you're alive? Well, that's great. Oh, by the way, we put Plagueis in both of you. <laughs> have fun with that when they oh. hatch uh they're gonna take over your bodies and whatnot isn't that great uh because that's a part of sadler's all whole plan after he basically mm -hmm. convinced the village to like follow his lead and have plagos put into them mm -hmm. uh, he was like how about we kidnap the president's daughter put a plagos in her send her back to america so she can subtly in like influence the president and so uh, that's their entire mm -hmm. plan it's great yeah I guess that will work. Yeah, because Sadler's got some plans, and that plan's called world domination. Mm-hmm. And if what happens when the Plagas bursts out of Ashley's head? Well, then it's gonna freak out America, and they're gonna be like, "Oh no! What if everyone else has Plagas? We gotta like scream people. We can't pay attention to this random Spanish village that's forming an empire and taking over other countries." Uh huh. Yeah. 
yeah, that's literally part of the plan. Is like, well, if they actually discover, like, if things go along with Ashley and they discover what's what's really in her, they're going to be too freaked out about what's going on because, oh man, the president's daughter got infected. What if I'm infected? So, yeah. Wouldn't they just assume she got infected when she was kidnapped mysteriously? Yeah, but they're going to be like, oh man, what if uh, she spread it somehow? Uh. Yeah. You know, Sadler, like, kind of reveals all this to them, and Leon and Ashley are like, oh, well, we gotta figure out a way to cure this, because this would be bad. Mm. We can't just simply leave now. So, they eventually get away from Sadler. Like, they run into Father Gregory and, like, end up murdering him. Like, though not before he, like, kind of becomes sort of like a centipede monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they blow him in half, and he's like, actually, don't worry, I'm part centipede. (laughs) It's pretty great. And so, as they escape, they end up, like, running to this Spanish castle, which contains maybe my favorite character in the entire game that's not Leon. A little tiny man. A little tiny, tiny man by the name of Ramon Salazar. <laughs> Salazar is the, uh, is a, sp- a former Spanish noble, or, like, he's for part, was, he's, he was born to the Spanish nobility, which, you know, doesn't really exist at this point. Right. Uh, it, 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 it did don't worry about it it did at one point uh, in fact his family is the one who originally discovered the Plagas and were like we need to put these in rocks and keep, nobody can get access to these these things are dangerous I feel like you should burn them but okay rocks also yeah I, I think it might have actually been more like the this because I the Plagas are ancient essentially uh-huh. and like they discovered some of the rocks but like like a few of them getting, getting reanimated and they're like okay we just need to Make sure nobody ever gets access to this, because this is bad. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, he's there. He's, like, flanked by two, like, tall, like, looking guys with, like, knife hands and whatnot. And he's like, hey, welcome! How you doing? Welcome to my castle funhouse that's full of traps and weird stuff. I'm glad to see if I capture Ashley and get him back to, get back to my leader, Sadler. He's gonna really love me. And, like, he's basically just there to, like call Leon on his radio and just, like, taunt him constantly. Mm. While Leon, like, quips, like, a lot of, like, really dumb lines back at him. <laughs> like, just one is like, I'm gonna send my right-hand man at you. And Leon's like, oh, your right hand comes off? Because Leon's incredibly lame. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. It's great. It's great. And, like, Ashley, like, immediately gets captured. Like, she literally walks up to a wall which and, like, just, like, ends up like having like shackles like go like around her hands and whatnot flips around so he has like Leon has to go through the castle to find her. Right. Like and while Leon's going through the castle, he runs into a little woman by the name of Ada Wong. Ah uh, yay. Yeah, so Ada's alive and you figure Leon's gonna be like, Oh man, you're alive? Last I saw you, you fell down to a pit after being shot. Leon is absolutely unsurprised she's alive. <laughs> He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. She's like, he's like, she's like, oh, yeah, hey, handsome. How's it doing? How's it going? Let me give you a hint. Ashley's, I know where Ashley is. You could probably go find her here. Try not to die. Anyways, bye. <laughs> like, Leon's going to run to Ada, like, multiple times through the game. He's going to be like, hey, you going to tell me why you're actually here? And she's going to be like, ha, no. No. <laughs> but yeah, she basically exists to more or less save Leon's bacon throughout the game. Kind of like mm. what she did in Resident Evil 2. So eventually he ends up beating up with Ashley who's like now coughing blood at this point and it's like clearly getting to the point where that Plagas are about to hatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thankfully though they're able to escape but not before the castle but not before like they've run to 
uh, Salazar one more time, who, in a last-ditch attempt to stop them, allows a giant Plagueis-infected flower to absorb him and one of his uh, right-hand men and, like, mm. make him into a giant bio-monster that's also a flower, which gets absolutely murdered. Yeah. So, Flowers, uh, turns out, not the most effective super soldier freaks. They aren't. And also, boy, those Plagueis are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out if you put a, pl- a Plagueis into a flower, it makes something crazy. So they eventually, like, escape the castle and uh, end up at this research facility where Salazar did, not Salazar, Sadler did all his research into the Plagueis. Uh, turns out this is where they were basically doing a bunch of experiments in order to figure out, like, oh, how can we best control the Los Illuminados, as well as, like, you know, what can we put the Plagueis into? How can we control them? You know, make it into such a way where, like, we can make bugs that are super powerful and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Leon and Ashley make their way uh, through there. Oh, um, they, like, run into Louise at some at a certain point, who actually has comes back with, like, the cure to, like, help out Leon and Ashley. But not before, like, he is, like, shot in by... You know, uh, no, he doesn't get shot. He ends up getting stabbed in the chest by uh, Sadler, who turns out has uh, tentacle knife arms underneath oh, his okay, robe. Yeah, that no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, when he gets killed, like, uh, like they are, they end up getting the cure from him, but they can't actually get it. So, uh, in this research facility, they're like, well, maybe we can find something that allows us to like inject the cure into us. Mm-hmm. Which eventually they do. They run into this. Like machine that like once they strap themselves in, they were able to give themselves the cure, which uh, uh, allows them to like you know finally like we can now just finally escape. So they start making their way to the exit and get out of there. But this is not before good old Sadler encounters them one more time and is like, oh okay, well don't worry, you know I got one way to stop you. I'm gonna send somebody after you that knows you very well, Leon. Uh huh. Gee, who could that be? And then Leon ends up running to an old friend of his, an old comrade, a special forces member by the name of Jack Krauser. So Krauser, it turns out, is an American operative who was thought dead after a mission went wrong between him and Leon. Now, after this happened, Salazar, not Salazar, uh, Sadler ended up like getting in contact with Krauser and is like, hey, man, why don't you join my cool cult? He's like, (laughs) yes, rad, I will do that. Some some dude just came up to him and was like, why don't you come to the Spanish island and join my slug cult? Yeah. And his, Krauser's response was, yes, good idea. Yes, good idea. Because, you know, he's like, I'll get paid a lot of money and become super powerful. Absolutely. What made him think that the slug cult people have money? Oh, well, you know, he's just kind of a highest bidder sort of person. And, well... What was the bid? That's... <laughs> A lot of gems, I'm guessing, because there's a lot of gems just that are that just is all true. over there the are, place. There are many gems, yes. Like, what if you have all these emeralds and this weird pocket watch? So, Jack and Leon have an incredibly stupid knife fight that is yeah. an incredibly long quick-time event that's very, very easy to fail. Uh, but it also really has the best quotes. <laughs> you know, about, like, like Jack being, like, Krauser being like, you know, I have to get ahead, too. Like you, I'm an American. And like, just all sorts of like, really, really stupid lines between Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Anyways, Ada shows up and like, shoots um, Krauser, who's like, oh, it's the bitch in the red dress. 
and like chases after and like just like runs off uh into like this like weird spanish catacomb essentially okay sure or abandoned like spanish like ancient spanish like roman site that Mm -hmm. like leon and krauser end up having a really dumb running battle through where like (laughs) like, what are you fighting for leon and leon's like "Uh, i'm not really sure what am i fighting for it's like what you're you're trying not to die here idiot that's how that Anyways, eventually Krauser uses the parasite to like give himself a giant like knife arm and like tries to kill Leon and fails. Mm-hmm. And you know Leon ends up escaping from there with uh with Ashley runs into Sadler who like turns himself into a giant like spider monster essentially with the Plagas assistance. Uh, big giant battle ensues. Uh, Ada like throws down a rocket launcher that you used in order to blow him up. It's really really great. And Leon's like, yeah, we did it. We killed Sadler. Everything's going to be okay. I have the sample of the Plagas that we found in the laboratory. We'll just destroy it. Everything will be great. And Ada's like, haha, not so fast. Gonna yeah. Points a gun at Leon's head. It's like, hey, how about you, you give me that sample? How's that sound? Mm-hmm. And Leon's like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? She's like, oh, my employers will really like this. That's the reason why I came here. Anyways, here's this, uh, these keys to um, this water ski. Or just jet ski and whatnot. Um, you might be able to get out in time because I uh, set a self-destruct, self-destruct sequence. Yeah, okay. That's gonna blow up an entire island now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, see you later. Hopefully, I see you around, Hanson. And so Leon's like, ah, ah. So man, I can't believe Ada tried to threaten to shoot Leon in order to capture a bio weapon sample that her employer sent her to acquire. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. Good old Ada. She just she she has, she has one thing that she does. Yeah, she has one thing she does, and to be fair, she's very good at it. Yeah. So Leon and Ashley manage to escape just in time. Uh, you know, they have dumb quips back and forth and whatnot. Uh, Leon tries to ask his like his operator friend out on a date, which he uh. like coldly turns it down. He's like, "Man, story of my life." And the game <laughs> ends, it, but not before. We have a little bit of extra, extra little bit where we get an explanation of why Ada was there and who she was working for. Now, mm-hmm. we know that she was there to get the Plaga sample, but it turns out she was working with Wesker. Turns out Wesker is working for something called the Organization. And the Organization wanted to get the sample of the Plaga so they could basically make bioweapons of their own. So uh-huh. Ada was sent down there to recover it alongside Krauser. Because Krauser, it turns out, was embedded with the the Los Illuminados, in order to figure out what was going on with this in the first place. Uh, Krauser doesn't trust Ada at all, and kind of wants all the glory of himself, so he tries to kill Ada at least one point during it, but, you know, okay, it, it ends yeah, up fine. Sure. Point is, she gets she does her job, she's like, alright, I'm not going to be relevant in the next game. See you later. And that's Resident Evil 4. Great game. Great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it this game, like, it was really, really cool how, like, they just got away from Umbrella or whatnot. Yeah, they got to do, like, a new thing, similar themes, but mm-hmm. just allowed to have its own identity. Yeah, like, the use of the Los Illuminados instead of zombies as, like, your main enemy was, like, really, really helped out the gameplay. Like, helped out with, like, the mystery and whatnot. Like, really, the only two reoccurring characters there are Ada and Leon. And Leon becomes, mm-hmm. like, crazy action hero, which is great. Right, yep. And, like, yeah, sure, there's a mention of Wesker at the end, but you don't 
have to deal with them. It's it's yeah. okay. Unfortunately, Resident Evil Five decides. Well, what if what if we what made if this Wesker? the Wesker show? Yes. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess you could actually think of this a couple of ways. It, this might actually be good. This might not. Mm. This might not be. There's some good moments in the story of Resident Evil Five, uh, a game that overall I kind of don't like. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of mid on it. There's mm. parts of it I like. There's parts of it that are exceptionally dumb. Yeah. On the whole, it's just sort of fine and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a game that ends up being even more action-y than Resident Evil 4 in a way that I feel like doesn't work. No, not especially. Mm. And it was it was part of Capcom's like in the moment trend of boy, horror games. They don't really sell that well. You know what sells well? Gears of War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Halo. Call of Duty. What if we did that? What if we did that? People like But multi- with Resident Evil. Yeah, people like multiplayer. What if we did that? Yeah. Yeah, this is a game where they decided that you can now move left and right without, like, like sidestep. Right. And, like, you have a second player character who's always with you that you could do split-screen multiplayer with. Right. And it ends up... I, in large part because of that, I just don't feel like it ends up working because it takes away a lot of the tenseness that... Yeah. Like, Resident Evil 4 had a really good split between, like, okay, it's more action certainly, but, you know, it's still kind of scary at some points. Yeah, no, there there is a lot of tension and, like, p- good pacing. Mm. Good sort of slow and steady pacing to Resident Evil 4. Yeah. That 5 just doesn't have any of that. 5's just an action game. Yeah, it is 100% an action game. And, like... Some of the moments that happen in this game are ridiculous, and it's great. Yeah, but yeah, other, but overall, like as far as like playing it, it's like it was one of those things where like I played five hours of it and bounced off. Yeah, but it is, this is the game that promised to put an end to the Resident Evil story. What a huge lie! It is a huge lie. What an incredibly huge and also obvious lie. <laughs> Capcom never ends anything. <laughs> Look at how many times they ended Mega Man and then kept going. Yep. Look at how many times they technically ended, like, the main plot thread of Street Fighter and then didn't. Oh, God, yeah. Like, they talk about Street Fighter 6 is not going to have bites in some way. I'll see it when I believe uh-huh. it. Uh-huh, yeah, sure. What, yeah. What if we add another evil organization? What if we did that? Yeah, it's... Capcom will... If Capcom has something that's successful, they will never end it. Yep. And despite their and despite your attempts with Resident Evil Five, the legacy of the Wesker family is going to be continuing strong in the, in the next couple of games. Let me assure you. Which, uh, speaking of that, let's jump into the plot of Resident Evil Five. Oh, let's do that. So, Resident Evil Five takes place in the year two thousand and nine. So, Umbrella's been gone for six years at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there is a new. There's a new biopharmaceutical firm on the block, and they're called Tricell. Now, Tricell is a company that basically absorbed the remains of Umbrella. And Why would anyone trust a company that does that? Right? You mean like, <laughs> uh, uh, Like, okay, first of all, there should be no remains of Umbrella. Yeah, Everything about that should be buried. Yeah, they they really should not exist at all. It really should not. But they do, and they're doing all sorts of really crazy stuff. And, like, they're creating a bunch of, like, really cool medical breakthroughs, but they're also working with a lot of governments to make a lot of bioweapons. Mm. 
Now, it turns out at a certain point, um, uh, Wesker's organization that he's working for, which is literally just called the organization, also falls apart and gets absorbed by Tricell. So Tricell uh, is basically... Wait. <laughs> you mean the secret evil organization that no one was supposed to know about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just gets absorbed by a biotech company? Pretty much. Yeah, the secret evil biotech company falls apart, gets absorbed by the other biotech company that's also evil. This is like, ooh, what if the Illuminati just sort of had a falling out one day and mm -hmm. the members that were left just got hired by Comcast? Yeah, pretty much, yes. The true Illuminati, as it turns yeah, out. Yeah, you'd be like, okay, that makes sense, but also it feels like it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Right? Data, data caps exist so you don't actually discover the truth on accident. Oh. But yeah, like, it's basically like that. So, now, in the wake of all this... Like, governments are, like, getting a hold of, like, G-Virus samples and, like, are being able to develop bioweapons and whatnot with the, the assistance of companies like Tricell. And it's causing real issues. Yeah. So another bunch of biopharmaceutical firms, like, basically they form a conglomeration that ends up creating something called the Bioterrorism Security Assessment Alliance, known as mm -hmm. the BSAA for short. Now, they're basically a paramilitary organization that's tasked with, like, going in and destroying bioweapons when they find them. Why does all of the, like, super law enforcement end up being privately owned paramilitary organizations in this universe? I have no clue. Shouldn't, like, the U.S. make one of those or something? Well, good news is that they do, and they do absolutely nothing. Cool. Yes. <laughs> They basically exist to show up and die so then, like, the BSAA can do their thing. I see. Yeah, so Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine, like, join up with this organization, as does Barry Burton as well. Okay. And they're like, hey, yeah, we're getting, we're here because we know we got to make sure Umbrella is stopped. We know Tricell is basically just Umbrella 2.0 because Wesker's there, most likely. Right. So what happens is that they're also still trying to track down Oswald Spencer as well, Uh Turns out he sort of, like, disappeared after, like, Umbrella, like, dissolved and, like, hasn't been able to answer for his crimes. Oh. Uh, and it's- I'll be honest, I did not realize Oswald Spencer was still alive. Yeah! It, the, every game makes it seem like he's, like, incredibly dead, but no, it turns out he's alive and oh, okay. very old at this point. Hmm. Yeah, it turns out Oswald was located in 2006 in an undisclosed mansion. Now- when, he, when the team arrives there, uh, headed by Jill and Chris, they find that he is dead and Wesker is standing over the corpse. So they try to get answers from him, but Wesker's like, huh, nah. Like, it immediately just starts beating the hell out of both of them. <laughs> hmm. Now, he's about to kill Chris when Jill just, like, tackles him out of the window and they, like, fall off some cliffs, essentially, and are never found. I see. And Chris is, like, now, like, incredibly sad and is like, man, my partner's dead. Oh, no. And so, like, he's, like, really down about this. So, three years later in 2009, it turns out that there's, like, bio-organic weapon smuggling that's happening in Africa in a place called the Kijuju Dominus Zone. Mm -hmm. And so, he ends up teaming up with a new partner, uh, uh, Shiva Alamar, who's a part of the West Africa branch. And they're going to, like, figure out what exactly is going on with all this, because it... They feel like that there's likely like a well, they know that there's a bioweapon uh smuggling operative there by the name of Ricardo Irving, and they want to capture him, figure out what exactly is going on here, and hopefully put an end to all this. Mm -hmm. 
unfortunately, when they arrive there, they find that uh, local crowd there is like just absolutely angry, does not like foreigners at all, and immediately start attacking Chris and Sh- uh, Shiva. Uh, now, uh, when they kill them, they find out they're infected with the Plagas. They're like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, that's bad. And it turns out, like, the Plagas have been, like, changed in such a way that, like, the hosts now retain more of their individuality and intelligence a little bit more. Mm. So, like, they're, like, super Plagas now. They could do cooler things. <laughs> so, Chris and Shiva, like, end up, like, finding, like, the captain of the BSA, like, AA's, like, uh, alpha team, uh, Captain DeChant. And they, like, warn them that, hey, listen, Irving, if you find him, he is going to like mess you up he's like dealing in some like really really crazy things so be very careful like when you do run into him and like they continue like running like through uh like basically like different like bio labs and whatnot uh destroying like uh different bioweapons as they find him and eventually like as they like uh get through there they run into a a mysterious terminal that like contains information about what uh tricell is doing in the area and on there though they find something very strange they find an image of jill valentine and like and chris is like wait she's dead what's going on with that like maybe if you find this irving guy he like tell us what's going on so they like eventually like destroying bioweapons like another el gigante shows up and like all sorts mm-hmm. of other stuff happens and like they're like the BSA AA is like, hey, you, you y'all need to get back out here. We're gonna we're gonna pull you out. We need to come up with another plan to attack. But Chris is like, there's no way I'm going to leave. I need to find Jill. She mm-hmm. is here. I know she is here. And Shiva's like, okay, sure, why not? Let's <laughs> go and hey, I'm gonna help you out. Let's find Jill. Shiva's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shiva's perfectly fine in this. So they end up like going through a very very unfortunate small village that. Uh, uh, was a source of a lot of controversy mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. It is an indigenous African village, and they dress <laughs> up as the most stereotypical African tribesmen that you could ever see. Oh, Japan! Uh, yeah, it's mm. like a mm. lot of there was a lot of um, controversy around racism in this game that was a little bit overblown due to yeah. some of the preview coverage they did. Mm-hmm. To the point where it's like when you like first start playing this game, it's like, oh yeah, this is one hundred percent overblown, like. You know, people were like maybe getting on this a little too much, and then you get to this part of the game, you go, "Damn <laughs> like, it, Capcom! Oh. I gave you the benefit of the doubt." Yeah, which to be fair, it's not like malicious racism. It's not. It's more. It's very Japanese ignorant racism. Yeah, yeah. So they end up like fighting their way through there. Uh, you know, like run into a few other BSWA agents, uh, who like including one who ends up getting like heavily mutated. Uh, like they also finally find Irving who like uh, injects himself with uh, the Plaga as well in order to like fight them off uh, after... I'm, I'm sorry real quick did you say he injects himself with the Plagas? Yes the Plagas are injectable now? Yes they are. Cool yeah, congratulations <laughs> the, your parasite is now essentially a virus mm-hmm. yep it is like Really, they could have just said this is another version of the T-Virus. They could have, but I guess they wanted to not do the T-Virus anymore, except they totally do. (laughs) Yeah, a couple paragraphs, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, after basically killing 
uh, Irving, like, as he's dying, he's like, hey, listen, I'm just going to let you on a secret. Uh, Tricell is totally involved in this. In fact, the director of the West Africa Division, a woman by the name of Excella Gion. <laughs> sure. Yeah, she's uh, she's doing some bad things out there. Maybe if you go into this cave that's nearby, you'll figure it out. So they end up going into this cave and they find out that, oh, this is where the progenitor virus came from. And they're like, oh, okay. So they this is where uh, Oswald found it and whatnot. And was like, okay, I can make something real, real cool out of this. And led to all the problems that have led up to this entire game. Like, they also, like, run into Excella as well, who's like, hey, you need to get out of here before we end up murdering you. Also, I definitely have nothing to do with this. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, Chris is like, hey, no, where's Jill? You need to tell me where she is. And, and he's like, oh, no, you're not going to find Jill here. I have no idea who Jill is. Anyways, please go away. So obviously Chris doesn't believe this. He keeps going through the cave and eventually he runs into a strange woman who like attacks both him and, Sh and Shiva and like just messes them up. This game has a lot of Chris running into people and them just more or less like murking him. <laughs> right. And so. Which Chris is kind of weird because he's a man who can literally punch boulders apart. Oh, yeah, I didn't even talk about Chris's makeover. So Chris, like, up until this point, like, through Resident Evil and Resident Evil Code Veronica is, like, he's a guy who's clearly in shape, but he's, like, not right. overly muscular or anything like this. Right, he's your typical, like, military veteran yeah. guy. In this game, he has done a Brock Lesnar level of HTH and has mm -hmm. been hitting that gym and getting those gains, brother. Clear, clearly still off-put by ha being so messed up by Wesker in the in Code Veronica. Mm. Just like I'm gonna, I'm gonna show him. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. Oh no, he that dude, that that Chad. I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lift some weights. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pump this iron. Jill spot me. And so, yeah. Like despite all of that, though, he is still getting messed up. And so Chris like pursues this hooded woman and whatnot. And like once he like catches up to her he's like hey we just need to talk man you seem like somebody i know and wesker shows <laughs> based up based on the way that she punched him yeah you know it's spoiler alerts jill's probably kicked his ass before so yeah yeah that's true so he eventually like catches up with her only to find that she is standing next to an old friend of his good old albert wesker yeah <laughs> So Wesker's like, hey, buddy, how's it going? It's good to see it. Been a while. Been a while. It's been, been a, while. a while. Did you know I'm the main antagonist of the series now? I am totally the main antagonist. I've been the one pulling the strings the entire time. Crazy, right? Wow. Anyways, look at me. I'm wearing this all black, like, <laughs> trench coat getup <laughs> with sunglasses in oh. Africa where it's hot. Yep. <laughs> He's like, oh, you, you're probably wondering who this woman is. Well, let's just uh, take off her hood. Oh, it's Jill. She has blonde hair now. It's Jill. It's Jill. Wow. Isn't it crazy? I've brainwashed her. Kind of sucks, huh? I bet that sucks. Anyways, I'm going to let y'all fight. And um, I'm going to give you seven minutes to do this. If you don't do this in seven minutes, I'm going to mess you up. <laughs> Uh, so it turns out Jill has been given a drug called P30 that's basically controlling her and whatnot. It's something that's been derived from the progenitor virus, but it's not actually a virus. Uh, mm. 
And the reason why Jill's even here in the first place is because when she got infected with the T-virus and was cured of it, it basically gave her pretty strong, like, regenerative and immunity properties to, like, various viruses and whatnot. And so Wesker's like, hmm, this could be useful to me. I should probably figure out uh, things I could do with that. Right. Like super soldiers. Like super soldiers. So, like, she's, like, trying to resist the P-30 and whatnot, uh, and, but as, like, Jill, like, gets messed up by Chris and Shiva more, eventually, like, it ends up subduing her. And, like, it turns out there's, like, a, a device on her chest that's literally just injecting her with it. <laughs> they just take that off, and she's like, oh, phew. Oh, hey, Chris, how's it going? Sorry about that. I was kind of aware of everything. Totally wrecked you. You know, muscles mean nothing. Anyways, could you go and take him out? Also, um, Jill's, like, for some reason that like in seeing ways that shiva might betray him is like do you trust your partner and chris is like uh, yeah yes yes why are you doing this anyways is this, is this gonna come up later and the answer is no no so chris and shiva like uh end up boring like a cargo ship that's like wesker's on that's gonna have like a bunch of stuff that he's gonna be using to uh enact his ultimate plan which we'll get into in a second oh boy and, you know, they run into Excella, who turns out has uh, a bunch of, like, really, really weird stuff, including, like, weird injections that apparently Wesker has been getting. And so, mm-hmm. like, huh, this is, this is a little strange. So, yeah, they end up finding something called the Ouroboros va- uh, virus. So, Ouroboros is a, it is a derivative of the progenitor virus, uh, one that apparently is even better at mutating people while also retaining their intelligence. Uh, this is a result of research on the uh, T-virus that resulted in you know, stuff like the T-Veronica uh, virus, the T-Phobos mm-hmm. virus, and like other sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it is like kind of like the ultimate bioweapon and, and like a eugenics tool that Wesker hopes to infect the entire world with. Oh, why? Yeah. Oh, well, it it turns out while he's on the uh, ship and, like, you know, like, looking at, like, through a security camera of, like, Chris and Jeeva, like, going up an elevator, he's like, I'm going to become a god. And it flashes back to that scene in the mansion, like, where, like, where Chris and, like, Jill confront him mm-hmm. back in 2006. It turns out he was there to talk to, to uh, Spencer and whatnot, be like, hey, how's it going, buddy? Guess I found you. And Spencer's like, oh, yes. Everything that happened with Umbrella was a setback. But I am going to soon become a god with the research. And you, Wesker, as my ultimate creation, are going to help me with that. Uh, once again, he's about 80 at this point. And like, he's right. like in this wheelchair. He has like IVs hooked up to him, including one mm-hmm. in his temple for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. Sure. And he's like, it's kind of funny that I'm seeking to become a god. And yet I am staring mortality in my face. And Wesker's like, yeah, damn right about that. Picks it up, like, basically punches him through the stomach and, like, toss him down some stairs. He's like, I'm going to be taking your legacy to become a god and will become one myself. So I think it's a okay. good time to talk about what Wesker's deal is. Yeah, yeah, let's do that here in the sixth, eighth, I don't know, game in the franchise. Something like that. So, Wesker. Now, Wesker hasn't, wasn't always a guy who was, like, super strong and whatnot and super cool. 
Mm-hmm. Before that, he was an orphan. So, now, Oswell, when he ended up discovering the progenitor virus, was like, okay, I'm going to have to infect people to see how this goes. And also, I'm going to need to figure out people who can carry on my legacy as well. So what if I kidnapped about 300 kids? <laughs> okay. And then all... And then, like, basically, like, checked out to see, like, which one of them was going to be, like, the best, like, most mm-hmm. intelligent, strongest, fastest, and whatnot. And then mm-hmm. from there, I'm going to weed them down to 12 individuals. Now, those 12 individuals are all going to get the surname Wesker. Ah. Uh. Now, these, all these people are, like, incredibly, like, super good at what they're doing. And once they come of age, they're going to be injected with the T-virus. Now... Most of these people end up dying, except for two of them. One person who we're going to talk about uh, in, let's say, next week or so, Mm -hmm. by the name of Alex Wesker. And then another person, our boy, Albert. So Albert Wesker ended up taking to the T-virus like a seal takes to icy water. He thought it was great. (laughs) Now, this is on top of the fact that he already was a prodigy. You see, by the age of 18, Wesker had already graduated with a PhD in biochemistry and had been hired by Umbrella in order to not only keep a closer eye on him, but also help work on their research and whatnot, which is exactly what he did. And he was really, really good with that. You know, he worked closely with William Birkin and actually kind of was kind of sort of friends with him. Like Mm -hmm. when Wesker decides to like jump ship from Umbrella, he actually tries to take Birkin with him. And even when Birkin's like, nah, I want to finish work on my work here, he's like, not nah, cool. Peace, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he ends up like being like incredibly good about this. But obviously, he learns about his legacy and like comes to hate Oswell. And eventually, that's when he decides, like, I'm going to totally betray this dude. I'm going to build my own biotech firm. And I am going to totally take over the world and become a god myself using viruses and plagas and everything. I feel like there was a jump in there. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you just get a god complex, right? Yeah, yeah, fair, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. So, now, during this, uh, we find out that he did have, like, free, like, a cinder wa- serum was created that, like, helps, like, kind of, like, uh, subdue his abilities a little bit because he realizes that him injecting himself with like various viruses and whatnot could cause like some problems. Mm, yeah, sure. Which is what Chris and Shiva end up getting a hold of uh, is the PG67A-W serum. <laughs> okay. Which is what they discover is like, okay, we could use this to maybe weaken Wesker and actually stand a chance against him because at mm-hmm. this point, Wesker is like able to move so fast that he's essentially teleporting. Uh, he can mm-hmm. take bullets like a champ. He can like, there's a scene that literally goes on for, like, five minutes where he is just, like, tripping, like, doing, like, cool moves where like, he would trip, like, Chris and, it, like, while he's still falling in the air, kick him in the stomach, like, throwing Shiva, like, up at the ceilings, teleporting around, just kicking people. Uh-huh. But, and he decided he needed a suppressor serum for this. Well, it's mostly because, like, well, if, like, he injects him with something that's gonna, like, cause him to, like, mutate uncontrollably, he needs that, mm-hmm. to, like, make sure to keep that in check. Okay. So that's the whole reason why that exists. So, now, his entire plan right now, though, is that he has a bunch of stealth bombers. Uh-huh. And these stealth bombers are loaded with the Urbos, or Urbos, and he's going to basically 
shoot them in at major cities and also just disperse it all over the planet in order to infect people with this virus, which uh, will either, you know, the people who live will basically be under his command somehow. Uh-huh. And the rest of the people who are too weak will die. So only the strong will live and he will rule the strong in his new utopia. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Does he, like, have a company or something at this point? Uh, yeah, basically. He's more or less running Tricell, like, in, in okay. the shadows. Okay. So Tricell just has stealth bombers? Yeah, barely. Yeah, I know. It's something that's literally only available to... Because, de- like, these are, like, B2 stealth bombers. Right. Yeah, something that's really only available to the United States? Yeah, no, they just found a way. Why does this game feel like Capcom's Metal Gear? Because it is? It yeah. 100% is? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, this is the most Metal Gear possible. The, even in going so far as to be like, no, all this really advanced stuff and all these weird interconnections that really shouldn't exist. No, they totally did. We're just going to like backfill it and just make it happen. Right. But that's what they also I really don't like about Resident Evil 5 is that up like through four, like yeah, mm-hmm. like Chris shows up a couple of times, right? Leon shows up a couple of times, but they all they do seem to like rotate it through different characters here and there, right? And then finally, by Resident Evil Five, they're like, no, Chris is the Chris is the protagonist. Chris is the protagonist, and Wesker is the main antagonist. And no, everything is going to revolve around them, right? Yeah, so yeah, this is one hundred percent. It's like just like how things eventually became all big boss all the time in Metal Gear mm-hmm. Solid. Everything became all Chris and Wesker, and it it makes it seem a little bit smaller and very weird. Yeah, it's it's very obsessive about it, mm-hmm. and like it it it, it make it blows Resident Evil kind of out of its own scale. Yeah, yeah, it really really does. Yeah, we once once again the first three games were rather self contained and self contained yeah. whatnot. And then it was like, there's no way this is leaving Raccoon City. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And but then now it's like a global dispersal. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It was 100% Capcom had three successful games and then they went, oh no, we need to do more. Mm-hmm. And then they did. So, like, Leon and Shiva are about to catch up with Wesker, who's like, ah, well, I still need a little bit more time to do my plan. Hey, Excella. Uh, bad news. I'm gonna inject you with the Euroboros. Have fun with that. And Is what? that bad news? I thought that was good. I thought they wanted that. Well, unfortunately, for some people, it just makes causes them to like uncontrollably mutate. Oh, which in her case, she uncontrollably mutates and becomes like a giant, like monstrous-looking thing that like has tentacles. It's just like. It barely, it's hard to even describe what this even looks like. In fact, I'm just going to mm-hmm. post this in chat so you can take a look at it. Uh, because it is, it's a messed up looking thing. Like, feel free oh, trying to describe yeah. that. Yeah, it is, it is very much like a product of the 360s era of boss design. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I don't know, just add polygons to it. Yeah. Yeah, just just do as much as possible with it. Also, make it as weirdly gray and orange as possible, so it's yeah. hard to distinguish what it even looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this thing is like immediately starts messing them up, but uh, luckily for them, uh, it turns out they have a satellite laser weapon. <laughs> okay. 
Well, you know, I I guess it's appropriate. Resident Evil 4 did inspire Gears of War, so Gears of War should inspire Resident Evil 5. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, they just get this, this satellite laser and use it to blow her up, and they're like, okay, okay. Oof. So, like... I feel like if they had that the whole time, it would have solved a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. It really would have. They could have just, well, maybe they could have stealth, like, uh, satellite lasered. Wesker, but they, they could have done a lot of things with it. Satellite lasers yeah. are very useful, it turns out. They're very useful. Mm-hmm. So, they managed to board one of the stealth bombers just as it takes off with Wesker in tow on its way to do, you know, things. And, like, that's when they have that really big dumb fight where it's basically just Wesker more or less mm-hmm. clowning on him for, like, no reason. Being like, I could kill you, but I kind of want to beat you up a little bit more. And then doing that for, like, another three minutes. It's- okay, uh, I'm sorry, I need a continuity check here. So they were on a boat. Yeah. And then they got on a stealth bomber. Mm-hmm. Was the stealth bomber on the boat? Um, I forget exactly. My apologies okay. on that one. They get, but they get on the stealth But Why did Wesker get on the stealth bomber? Well, because the stealth bomber's about to take off and, you know, shoot the missiles and do the thing. Right, couldn't he just wait for the bomber to do that? Maybe he, he's the, I mean, he's the kind of guy who wants to see it happen in action. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. So they end up like having a really, really big dumb fight. Like he ends up getting injected with like a bunch of his inhibitor, uh, vi- like inhibitor vaccine, essentially. Uh-huh. Because, you know, Chris and Shiva have that on him. Right. And like ends up getting blasted out of the airlock of the, uh, of the stealth bomber. Okay. Now, I feel like that's not going to do anything. Oh, it turns out it doesn't, because, like, he grabs Shiva and, like, starts to drag her out with him, and, like... Oh, okay. Like, the the bomber, like, immediately starts to crash into a volcano. They all jump sure. out, like, the last moment. And... Uh, they they jump out of the crashing airplane? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, they, they're on the bomber as it crashes, and they're fine. Wesker falls oh. out of the air. Yeah, my apologies on that. There okay. Yes. Yes, rereading my notes a little closer. Uh, and so, yeah, they, like, they're now just inside of an active volcano. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. This might as well happen. So, like, Wesker's like, well, my plan's kind of bad, and also I'm pretty inhibited right now, so probably will get wrecked by Chris and his massive biceps. Well, I'm right next to this missile that's conveniently lab- labeled Erebus. What if I punch and infect myself with it? Sure. So that's exactly what he does, and he, you know, turns himself into, like, a still sentient, like, you know, monster, who immediately just starts fighting Chris and Shiva. Like, and this is where we get the famous scene where, like, he basically throws a boulder at Chris, who, mm-hmm. like, Chris, like, essentially stops the boulder and starts punching the hell out of it for some <laughs> reason. And, like, during this time, he's, like, talking about his visions about features of mankind. He's like, yes, I'm going to rule over everything. Everyone will be infected and I will be the leader and I will control them all. And like, th- all this fighting and all this like stuff that's going on is causing the volcano to like start to erupt and whatnot. And like causing like the ground around to like crack and melt. And eventually mm-hmm. like Chris is able to get Wesker in a position where he like, he falls into the lava. You're like, great. It's done. Mm-hmm. Like, a helicopter arrives with uh, Jill on board, and, like, they all escape. But it turns out, no, he's not dead! He, like, he rises out and is like, hey, I'm still alive! Grabs a helicopter with my arm! Sure, okay. 
And then Jill's like, hey, don't worry. I got you. He gives both Chris, she gives both Chris and Shiva RPGs. He's like, do your thing. And Chris is like, ready, partner? She's like, ready as I'll ever be. And they fire rockets at him. Blow it right at his head. Both rockets hit his head. Fly through his head. Explode behind him. <laughs> blowing him up. And, you know, causing like a mini eruption. And they all escape. And are like, I guess that's it. Wesker's dead. Trizel's over with. And Chris is at the end is like, man, more and more. I find myself wondering if it's all worth fighting for. And then as he looks at Shiva and Jill, he's like, you know, for a future without fear, it's totally worth it. Well, he says, yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> and the game ends with the chopper flying into the dawn. And the game's over. Resident Evil, the saga of Wesker and his dumb plans is over. Mm-hmm. Alex, what if I told you it's not over? I would very much believe that, yeah. Yeah, because it's Capcom. It's Capcom. And they, it's- they got a... And it turns out the Wesker legacy is not over either, as we're going to find out mm-hmm. in Resident Evil 6. As we find out, what if Wesker had a son? Oh, God. <laughs> but that's going to be for next time, as we check out Resident Evil 6, the Resident Evil Revelations miniseries, which is a thing. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hope you like really dumb hairstyles. And finish up with their attempt to do a soft reboot with Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8. Alex, how are you feeling? I feel I feel good. I don't know. Man, Resident Evil, you just can't take Resident Evil seriously. No, you can't. Like, but, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to be mad at Resident Evil? No, you really can't. You really can't. I mean, you can be at 6, but you can't be at 6. Yes, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... It is the Capcom escalation writ large here. Like, you have three games that are just as down-to-earth as possible. You have Code Veronica, which is like, well, other than that opening cutscene, it's like, okay, sure, I guess. Yeah, sure, that that all happened. Wesker's a supervillain now. Okay, cool. And then you get to Resident Evil 4 and 5, and it's like, oh, okay, we're now action movies. Yep. Complete with quips and, like, weird pathos, at least as far as Chris is concerned. Like, that's the fun thing with Leon. Leon is just, once again, Leon yeah, is a Leon's puppy dog. Just, He's just like, yeah. whatever. Whatever, man. I'm, I work for the president now. I, cool. I went to a weird city that me almost immediately died and got promoted. It was great. I guess I'll fight this giant fish. Mm-hmm. I'm going to star in a bunch of bad CGI movies that only tangentially oh, relate to Resident Evil. Oh, God. <laughs> those do happen or don't it's un- like that's honestly the stupidest thing about resident evil 5 trying to tie everything together is mm-hmm. that the canon of resident evil is so slapdash that you can't you can't no you can't tie it together no one's even sure what is canon at this point including capcom mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly it's just nobody is sure not at all yeah it is uh it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It is. Like, it is a series that genuinely benefits from throwing out continuity with every game. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't don't worry about what happened before. Just, like, a new thing. A new, just do a new thing, like, almost every time. Yeah. And have old characters come back or don't. And just be like, oh, what crazy. Just as long as it is relatively about some sort of biological threat. Mm-hmm. Making monsters. You're good. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a reason why Resident Evil 4 works as well as it does and is as well-regarded as it is. And also, mm. I guess, spoilers, like, why Resident Evil 7 and 8 are also as well-regarded as they are. Yeah. Like, they don't do the Resident Evil 6 thing where it's like, well, what if? Don't you want to learn more about Wesker? No. It's like, no, he's dead. He, he was in a volcano. Yeah. We don't, we don't need this. Like, well, don't you want to learn more about Sherry Birkin? It's like, nah. No. No. Oh, you're going to tell us anyways? Well, okay, no, I guess. Okay. Cool. Yeah, what are the secret origins? That, you know what the great thing about a killer monster virus is? What's that? You, it doesn't need a complicated origin. It's a virus. Mm-hmm. It evolved from viruses and now is a virus. Mm-hmm. And will infect you and turn you into a killer monster. Yep. Like, that's the end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's, uh, there's no need to be more complicated than that. But it's Capcom. Yep. And they are going to get as complicated about this as possible. Uh, yes. But yeah, we're going to get into that next week. Alex, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yes. So it is my understanding that Netflix is currently producing a new Resident Evil miniseries. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, as I understand it, is a canonical continuation from Resident Evil 5. Um, what? In which Wesker survived the volcano RPG through the head incident and now looks like Lance Reddick. No! <laughs> I, like, I like Lance Reddick, but no! Lance Reddick's good. I, I, I actually genuinely want to see Lance Reddick playing Albert Wesker. That sounds like fun. But everything about that sounds incredibly stupid. Yeah, this is. Oh my god. Oh my, I'm looking this up right now because I knew that I knew Netflix was doing something with that, but right. Um, also, Umbrella is just back, I guess. Oh, jeez. There's just a, it was refounded. Oh boy. Well, cool. I guess. Welcome so, to uh, wait. Welcome to New Raccoon City. Yo. Oh yeah. I guess they also just remade. Uh, they made a new Raccoon City with a new Umbrella Corporation. Oh my God! In the 2022 timeline, 14-year-old sisters Jade and Billy Wesker moved to New Raccoon City, a manufactured corporate town forced on them right as adolescence in full swing. But the more time they spend there, the more they come to realize the town is more than it seems, and their father may be kids. Oh my God! Wesker moves back to New <laughs> Raccoon City with two daughters. Oh, this this one's going to be weird. Cut like, to the 2036 we, timeline. Well over a decade in the future, there are less than 15 million people left on Earth. Oh, no, Capcom. <laughs> there are more than 6 billion monsters. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. This one's going to be weird. Like, we had the, the Paul W. Anderson movies, mm-hmm. and those started off as like a kind of almost grounded mm-hmm. side story to Resident Evil and then they went off in their own weird direction. Yeah, the end of post-apocalyptic like this apparently. Yeah. And then for then we had that other did that recent Resident Evil movie even come out? I th- think it did um yeah I, no, I, no one cared. Yeah, no one cared about that. Uh, that's honestly what I was thought you were talking about the Netflix thing. Right. No, so I think, I don't, I can't remember if Netflix, I don't think Netflix had anything to do with that movie. I don't remember, but it was like, 
It was basically like a reimagining of the first game where what if Chris and Claire were private detecting, hmm. private detectiving in the Umbrella in Raccoon City, and then there was an outbreak. Yeah. Uh, the and movie... it's like... Mm. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's boring. No one cared. Yeah. Yeah, the movie is called Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. It was released in right. November 24th, 2021. Uh made 41 million dollars at the box office okay yeah off a budget of 25 million Ooh boy Oof, yep yep okay that makes sense uh mm. has already been forgotten oh, i yeah. no longer even remembered i didn't remember what its subtitle was and i remember what street fighter the legend of chun Li's subtitle is yeah yeah it is the for most... those of you who don't know the legend of chun Li is a horrendously bad movie oh yes one that I I really want to watch at some point, but yes. Yes. So all that to say that, yeah, that movie was, like, boring, and the CGI movies are basically just Resident Evil games, but in movie form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're um, only tangentially related. Yeah. But, uh, no, this Netflix, this Netflix thing is going to be really weird. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm excited to see Lance Reddick hopefully choose some scenery, and I, that's about it. I am too. I, man, oh, that sounds. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like that. That sounds like it's going to be a nightmare. I can't wait. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, look forward to the eventual extra episode that we do about that nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for us today. Alex, thanks for uh, joining me as always. Yep, of course. And of course, if y'all like episodes like this, or like want to listen to part one, for instance, you can find that at ftp.podbean.com or search through Fallen Through Potholes on your podcast service of choice. Anyways, everybody, take care. Take care.